Do you have freedom? In essence, are you allowed to be you? Do you have the quality or state of being free? The power to do as one pleases, freedom from physical restraint, freedom from arbitrary or despotic control, the power of choice? Are you sovereign? That is the Liberty Mindset. Let us foster our curiosity and seek the truth. And welcome everybody to the Liberty Mindset. Thank you very much for joining me this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Um, we're going to go on with chapter 10. This is the last and final chapter of the Von Mises book, Planned Chaos. Uh, next week, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but in two weeks, I'm going to be having a fellow by the name of Christopher Keyes. Uh, he's actually been convicted for mask evasion. Uh, I'm going to talk to him a little bit and uh, talk about things of such. I've also maybe doing, starting to do a series on things like uh, Bing Chat and other AI stuff. I've been playing with that a little bit. Uh, just had a very long conversation with Bing today about, and it, it wandered through right and left politics and communism and socialism. And part of me makes it seem obvious that the programmers are pretty far left and I'm not saying it's bad to use. I'm just saying if you're going to use it, be sure and be cautious because it is only going to give you what they want. And I'll demonstrate that later. Whoops. Sorry. Ooh, very bad. Big boom. Appreciate it. Sorry about that, folks. I guess I'll take that out in post. Anyway, um, today it is Tuesday, March 28th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And it's time to start talking about chapter 10, the alleged inevitability of socialism. Now remember, Mises views socialism and communism as the same thing as was true for everybody in the early part of the century. Um, that whole separation didn't come until Stalin, where Stalin accused everybody who failed at their communist revolution of being socialists, and therefore communism had never failed anywhere. Propaganda. Yay, goodies. That's historical. You can look it up. If you need some help, let me know. The alleged inevitability of socialism. Many people believe that the coming of totalitarianism is inevitable. The, quote, wave of the future, end quote, they say, carries mankind inexorably towards a system under which all human affairs are managed by omnipotent dictators. It is useless to fight against the unfathomable decrees of history, end quote. The truth is that most people lack the intellectual ability and courage to resist a popular movement. However, pernicious and ill-considered, Bismarck once deplored the lack of what he called civilian courage, i.e. bravery in dealing with civic affairs on the part of his countrymen. But neither did the citizens of other nations display more courage and judiciousness when faced with the menace of a communist dictatorship. They either yielded silently or timidly raised some trifling objections. One does not fight socialism by criticizing only some accidental features of its schemes. In attacking, many socialists stand on divorce and birth control or their ideas about the art and literature. One does not refute socialism. It is not enough to disprove or uh, disapprove of the Marxian assertions that the theory of relativity or the philosophy of 
Bergeson or psychoanalysis is bourgeois moonshine. Those who find fault with Bolshevism and Nazism only for their anti-Christian leanings implicitly endorse all the rest of these bloody schemes. On the other hand, it is sheer stupidity to praise the totalitarian regimes for alleged achievements which have no reference whatsoever to their political and economic principles. It is questionable whether the observations that in fascist Italy the railway trains ran on schedule and the bug population of the second-rate hotel beds are decreasing were correct or not. But it is in any case of no importance for the problem of fascism. The fellow travelers are enraptured by Russian films, Russian music, and Russian caviar. But there lived greater musicians in other countries and under other social systems Good pictures were produced in other countries, too, and it is certainly not a merit of Generalissimo Stalin that the taste of caviar is delicious. Neither does the uh, pettiness of Russian ballet dance, the prettiness of Russian ballet dancers, or the construction of a great power station on the Dnieper XB8 for the mass slaughter of Kulkas, Kulakas, Kulaks, sorry. The readers of the picture magazines and the movie fan long for the picturesque, the apparition pregnant of, of the fascist, the opera, uh, sorry, the operatic pageant of the fascists and the Nazis and the parading of the girl battalions of the Red Army are after their heart. It is more fun to listen to the radio speeches of a dictator than to study economic treaties. The entrepreneurs and technologists who pave the way for economic improvements work in seclusion. Their work is not suitable to be visualized on the screen, but the dictator's intent upon spreading death and destruction are spectacularly in the sight of the public. Dressed in military garb, they eclipse in the eyes of the moviegoers the colorless bourgeois in the plain clothes. The problems of a society's economic organization are not suitable for light talk at the fashionable cocktail parties. Neither can they be dealt with adequately by demagogues haranguing mass assemblies. They are serious things. They require painstaking study. They must not be taken lightly. The socialist propaganda never encountered any decided opposition. The devastating critique by which the economists exploded the futility and the impracticability of socialist schemes and the doctrines did not reach the molders of the public opinion. The universities were mostly dominated by socialists or interventionist pendants not only in the continental Europe, where they were owned and operated by the governments, but even in the Anglo-Saxon countries. The politicians and the statesmen, statesmen anxious not to lose popularity were lukewarm in their defense of freedom. The policy of appeasement so much criticized when applied to the case of the Nazis and the fascists was practiced ununiversally for many decades with regard to all other brands of socialism. It was this defeatism that made the rising generations believe that the victory of socialism is inevitable. It is not true that the masses are vehemently asking for socialism and that there is no means to resist them. The masses favor socialism because they trust the socialist propaganda of the intellectuals. The intellectuals, not the populists, are molding public opinion. That sounds familiar. It is a lame excuse for intellectuals that they must yield to the masses. They themselves have generated the socialist ideas and indoctrinated the masses with them. No proletarian or son of a proletarian 
has contributed to the elaboration of the interventionists and the socialist programs. Just a note, interventionists is what we have now, and that's tantamount to fascism. We discussed that earlier under fascism and Nazism. Their authors were all of the bourgeois background, the esoteric writings of dialectical materialism of Hegel, the father of both the Marxism and of the German aggressive nationalism, the books of Georges Sorel, the gentle and the Spengler, uh, of Gentile and of Spengler, were not read by the average man. They did not move the masses directly. It was the intellectuals who popularized them. The intellectual leaders of the people have produced and propagated the fallacies which are on the point of destroying liberty and the Western civilization. The intellectuals alone are responsible for the mass slaughters, which are the characteristic mark of our century. They alone can reverse the trend and pave the way for a resurrection of freedom. Not mythical, material, productive forces, but reason and ideas determine the course of human affairs. What is needed to stop the trend towards socialism and despotism is common sense and moral courage. And that brings planned chaos to an end. I hope if you're listening to this later and you get to read the whole thing, um, you can understand how wrong we are about everything now, or more accurately, how the same everything is over and over again. Um, We are currently hell-bent on regulating everything into existence. The There's an act before Congress, SB 686, it's uh, starting in the, in the Senate Bill 686 in the U.S. Senate, is designed to regulate all, quote, ICT, Internet Communication Technologies. That is a very broad paintbrush to regulate. It is all of the ways that we communicate in the Internet. That will include your voice over IP phone, including the ones that your office uses. The ones, your cell phone is a voice over IP phone. People don't often realize that they think it's a cell service, but it really is a VoIP. Um, so, here we are. We know for a fact that communism didn't work. And yet, we're fighting the same enemies again. There is also, uh, interestingly, I find it fascinating how this con- this uh, House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. has managed to pass several bills with super majorities. It is going to be interesting to see after they are vetoed, which they will be, uh, if they can overturn the veto or not. The hard part is the Senate. Uh, currently there it's 50 to 49 or, uh, yeah, 51 to 49, but there's a couple of senators who aren't actually active. Um, so things can, are getting done, but you need 60, 60 votes. I think it's 60 or 66 votes to overrule a 
presidential veto in the Senate. Thank you for joining us at the Liberty Mindset. Freedom is a state of being and liberty is a state of mind. So stay curious and seek the truth.